Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode contains topics which some viewers may find triggering, including conversation around eating disorders and depression. If you're affected by any of the topics in this episode, please visit www.nhs.uk forward slash mental hyphen health. I thought it was because I wasn't good enough. I thought you've not been selected because you're not at that level. And it was like, yep, yeah, I want to be at Tottenham. It wasn't even a second thought. When Beth scored that goal, I had never experienced anything like that before. The roar of the crowd was like, whoa, this is what it should feel like. So here we are again for another episode of the Official Spurs podcast with me, Michael Dawson, Paul Miles, a.k.a. Milesy. Mate, how have we been? I've not seen you for a few weeks. All good, pal. All good. How are you? You're ticking over. You're looking very bright and breezy today. Hey, well, we get told to wear something bright and we've got someone bright with us today, have we? We certainly have. We certainly have. We've got a legend coming out of the Spurs women team. She needs no introduction. Not really. Not Am I really. going to introduce her or are you? I'm going to introduce her, ah. Michael Dawson. She is a fellow central defender. Braver than me. Tottenham Hotspur women's Molly Bartrip. Molly, it's great for you to be here today. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? All good. Molly, All it's good. lovely to have you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, we like to, to sort of dig deep into what got you into football, where you started, what was it like for you as a young girl growing up? So we're going to start right there. Tell us, grew up in Romford. Mm-hmm. Take us back there. As Molly is a four, five, six-year-old. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'd be in football now if it wasn't for my dad. Uh, he took me over the local park. I, to be fair, I pretty much played every sport growing up. Anything I could throw myself at, I would. Um, but I always ended up kind of going back to football. I played cricket quite highly, actually. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was very different to football, obviously. But um, I played that at a really good level. County. Batter or bowler? I was a mix, you know. I, I actually didn't mind what I did, so I kind of mixed it. Molly, um, me but, and you, centre half, played cricket. I was a cricketer as well. Really? I like to, used to think I was a bit, bit of Freddy when I, oh, bat, yeah. I used to be. Oh, nice. Cal Corner, medium bowler. Freddy Krueger. Nice. Is it? <laughs> 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 you could say that, yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone at home, don't you start. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I played a bit of both um, and then just chose football because of the commitment that I had to give to the game. 
Um, but, you know, locally, like there was a park that my dad used to always take me to. Um, he used to, you know, kick the ball up in the air, like as, as, as high as he could kick it. And I used to miscontrol it every single time. And he used to do it over and over again until I could actually do it. And uh, now I kind of pride myself on being able to control a ball. So <laughs> I thank my dad for that. <laughs> so, it's always the hours you put in though, in all seriousness, isn't it? You, you can look back on that as where the, the foundations of what you can do today on a football pitch, it's where they all come from. Yeah, 100%. I'm sure daughters, yeah, I saw daughters <laughs> knocking it up against a brick wall or playing with Garages, yeah. yeah. I just played football in the street. Yeah, like growing up, you can think, how do you get to where we are today? And you just, I was, honestly, the neighbours must have been absolutely fuming. I would be now if I was out there and the kids are playing against the, the garages. But it's just, it's all you're doing it. You just yeah. got to play football, practice, Kirby, everything. Anything with a football, yeah. that was that was me. No because when, you, when people talk about being a natural footballer, okay, you are a natural footballer, but you're a natural footballer because that is what you were doing as a three, four, five, six-year-old. So you've, by the time you were 11, 12 and playing in football teams, all that basic stuff just comes naturally to you, doesn't it? Definitely, definitely. I think practice makes perfect, doesn't it? And, you know, looking back, um, I played with boys and I do think that helped my game a lot because they were a lot quicker than me, a lot stronger than me. So I had to adapt. Um, but I'm kind of thankful I had to do that because now I look at my game and you know those are probably areas that I'd say I'm better at is having to read the game a bit quicker than everyone else. Um, especially because I wouldn't say I'm the quickest person in the world either. Um, but yeah, I think I enjoyed my younger years playing football and had a lot of different experiences. Um, played with some actually very good players, to be fair. But I was mainly the only girl for a lot of it. Um, but it didn't really phase me, to be fair. We've talked about there your you, you sporting growing up. How were you at school apart from mm. sport? What were you like? Were you education what do you, good? What do you reckon I was like? <sighs> Probably a bit like myself. Went to school, talk, turn up, couldn't wait for the sport to come along. I reckon you were good. No, yeah, I was, I was a goody two-shoes. Yeah. I'll tell you a story. My mum actually in my secondary school, um, she was like, okay, if you don't have a detention the whole of your secondary school from year seven to year 11, you can get £100. And I was like, oh, come on. But back then, £100 was big. And wow. I, like, you know, I'd set my mind on that. I didn't, I didn't get one detention. Wow. Yeah, so I was a goody two-shoes. Yeah, Very I didn't do good. much wrong. Very good. Um, my mum was quite big on education, whereas my dad was big on the sport element yeah. of things. And, yeah, she made me do what I needed to do to get what I needed grade-wise. So, so you did well? I did well, yeah. Very good. Well, I didn't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us about you and football then. When did your journey start? I mean, tell school, for instance. I mean, what, was there a facility for girls to play football at school? Because, I mean, if there was, I mean, that was a head start to start with, wasn't it? Yeah. But um, And when did you get into it? What, what was your first team? How did, you, how did your journey begin? Yeah, it was, it was a local boys team, literally over the local park. My dad just honestly went to the manager and was like, oh, can she join in? And they were polite enough and said, yeah, why not? And I played there for quite a few years. Um, I then found a girls team. It was um, actually in Chelmsford at the time. Um, and they were pretty decent too. Sorry, Molly, going back, what was the age when you were playing the boys football? Probably seven. In the sevens. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then you went um, to the girls team. Well, I at... tried to find a girls team locally at the time, but there wasn't really many, um, which is actually where I found Tottenham. Um, so I had to do the travelling to Tottenham because there wasn't really many... Yeah, there wasn't many teams around that was just all girls back then. Um, so I found Tottenham. Um, at the time, they weren't a centre of excellence, which was like... Um, where I'd probably say the better players were at that time, but it was like playing with girls, um, which I'd never experienced before, which was strange. Um, and I played there for a couple of years, uh, but they lost kind of like their license a little bit and didn't really have much backing at the time, to be fair. So um, I got asked to trial at uh, Charlton Athletic. Uh, so I tried there. 
And I was there with actually Kit Graham, who's at Tottenham now. We were both there together. So we go back a long way, me and Kit. I had some really, really good memories back then. We had some really good players. A lot of them were in the England youth system too, um, which was where I got my first England call up was when I was at Charlton. Um, But they also lost their licence to become Centre of Excellence, which was basically playing against the best teams in the country at the time. Um, So I actually trialled at Arsenal back then and... I played for Arsenal for about five years. So probably where I really developed was there. And I think we all know Arsenal are a footballing team. And that's where I probably say I learned how to have the ball at my feet um, because a lot of it was based on that. You you came to Tottenham at under 10s, is that right? Yeah, under 10s, yeah. First time around under 10s. Mm. Wow. Yeah, under 10s, I know. Incredible, long time ago. eh? Long time ago. (laughs) Funny old kits as well back then as well. When we had Jenna and... Obviously, uh, you're younger than Jenna, but did you still have the, the big baggy kits yeah. like she was talking about? Yeah, yeah. baggy kits. Like, drowned me, they did. <laughs> I was only small, but I'm still small now, but they, they were really big on me, but I loved it, yeah. I loved playing against girls because it felt like this is what I should be doing. Even though it wasn't know? a West Ham kit? <laughs> yeah, my yeah, dad would say that. There. It hurt yeah. my dad. It did hurt my dad, but yeah. yeah. It, you know, it's football at the end of the day. You have to do what you need to Co- do. Of course, yeah, 100%. How did it feel to be, you know, coming into a club like, like Spurs as, as a young girl? Because it must have given you a real boost, you know, in terms of, of you know, where, where women's football was, you know, starting to find its feet. And there you were, you're a club like Tottenham and then obviously then Arsenal. So that must have been great for your confidence as a, as a young girl growing up. Yeah, definitely. I remember, you know, going to school and I was playing with the boys sometimes or when I, w- I actually went to an all-girls secondary school and... Uh, I was kind of always the abnormal one, you know, the one that would, would kind of not always be there because of commitments and stuff. And um, I remember a lot of the girls being like, not that bothered, but that I played at that level. So to me, it actually wasn't so big at the time. So I kind of took it in my stride and it was probably bigger for my family than it was my friendship group at school and anybody else. Um, so I didn't really think too much into it, to be fair. But now I look back, I'm like, oh, you know, it's not bad when you've gone and played at those youth teams and you've played with, you know, I played with the likes of Leah Williamson at under 14 level, you know, and look at where she is now. Sure. Yeah. Um, look at some look at some of these players I've played with at youth age groups. It's, it's pretty incredible, you know. Same for like Beth England, you know, I played with Beth at under 23s and you, know, you look back and I'm like, oh, wow, like I've actually done that. And then that's a bit of a change of mindset for me, I think sometimes. That's an incredible journey, incredible. Do you remember, what's the first game you remember? For what, just in general, yeah. football-wise? Tottenham. It was a yeah. Tottenham game. We were playing against Luton, actually. And um, the ball had come out. And I look, I'm a defender. I don't shoot much. But it had come out. And for some reason, I thought I, I could shoot from distance. And I shot from distance. And I didn't even celebrate properly. I just looked at my dad and just smiled <laughs> because I didn't know what <laughs> to happened? do. Yeah, I didn't uh-huh. know what to do. I was like... I just smiled. I, did, I literally honestly had no idea how to celebrate at that time because I was so young and just naive that I just was like buzzing, I guess, and then went home. You expected and, it to happen all the time and then you realised, thought I'm a defender, yeah, this doesn't happen. I yeah, should have celebrated. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I should have made a proper meal of that. Anyway. I should have. Yeah. <laughs> you had spells at, at Spurs, Charlton, Arsenal. Were you... At that age, so you're talking early teens now, weren't we? Yeah. Were you getting the feeling that, oh, you know what, this is something I want to do. This is something, this is my dream. I can I can play professional football. Is that what you, were you getting those feelings? Yeah, definitely. And I think when you get in the England youth system, that's when it comes real too. I think when you play against other national teams, it's like, wow, this is a dream. Like You grew up watching 
mainly men's football to be honest and like that's a dream to be you know playing at a, for your for your country and singing that national anthem it really is it still is now um and I think that was the thing that made me realize well what I was achieving at such a young age but again looking back like I think I just took everything in my stride and I didn't think too intensely about it until obviously I struggled for mental health that's when obviously I did battle a little bit differently with it all and it did become a bit too much for me but at the time yeah, school and football was like my two commitments, I guess. And I just both kind of made them coincide. And I didn't think too intensely about anything. You just said you touched on, on getting called up to England. You were 14 at the time. How did mm. that feel? Strange. Strange. When you're so young, mm. you know, I, I, I mean, I look now and my little cousins are 14 and I'm like, I can't imagine them, mm. you know, doing anything like that now. They're just living their life, you know. And I think actually you sacrifice a lot at a very young age and my parents sacrificed loads you know traveling up and down the country going and visiting different countries just to support me and you know I have them to thank a lot for what they did because I definitely wouldn't be sat here if it wasn't for them um but yeah I mean putting you know the England shirt on and at such a young age is a dream isn't it oh of course it is yeah but you had to wait to be able to pull that England shirt on because you picked up an injury yeah I did yeah we were away to Holland um and my whole family had come out, my grandparents, my mum, my brother, who absolutely hates football, by the way. Um, no way. Yeah, he's younger and he absolutely hates it. Wow. <laughs> he must have rebelled when he was younger because he got dragged everywhere because yeah. of me, you know. Oh, um, but yeah, all of them came out and yeah, my, match day minus one, I just felt this weird feeling in my hamstring. And when you're so young, I don't think you know what injuries mm. are. I really don't think you do. And I didn't. I really had no idea what was going on. I just, you know, realised that I probably wasn't going to be able to make that dream come true um and that didn't just hurt me it hurt my whole family and that was really tough to digest I think this was a real sort of almost like tipping point wasn't it for you and in terms of mental health I mean I think your best place to to tell the story really what sort of what happened next Mm, yeah I mean I, I obviously didn't play that that camp um I went home and I was at Arsenal at the time and I, I was surrounded by some very very good footballers and um it wasn't even that like I wasn't out long I was out three weeks um but I didn't get selected for the next England camp and I battle with my brain pretty much every day with confidence anyway and still now um and back then I, I did really struggle with confidence and I thought it was because I wasn't good enough I thought you've not been selected because you're not at that level um and probably still to this day I I would still believe that you know and I didn't know how to deal with it to be fair I think at the time I was so young with so much pressure I felt that you know because I wanted to succeed so bad I wanted to do everything in my power to be that you know that Molly Bartrip that could go and play for England that's from Romford just a normal girl from Romford you know and I wanted it so bad that I put the pressure on myself and um, I didn't know how to deal with it I really didn't and I just ended up resulting in not eating, um, which surprised my whole family a lot because, you know, I actually am a big foodie um, and that wasn't something that I ever imagined for me to go through. Um, I over-exercised and I under-ate um, and that's how it started. What, down to that one injury? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and I, it was the feeling of being rejected, mm. um, which I still do actually deal with now. I've really scared of being rejected um and yeah so I felt kind of uneasy at that point in my life I just didn't really know like if I if I wasn't going to play for England what was the point and that's how I had my mindset at that time no 
now I look back, I'm like, well, there's so much more to live for. Well, I, like I was very naive at that point. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of started literally from just not eating as much and over-exercising, becoming fitter, wanting to be, you know, the fittest in the team, do the extra runs, do the extra gym work. And then, okay, I'm going to, you know, slim down a little bit. And that's how it started. Mm. Little did I know that probably from being so young, it was going to trigger something a lot bigger than that. Um, that obviously led to anorexia. Do you know the signs? Do you know, obviously you're not, without understanding anorexia and, and what you go through with that, do you realise what you're doing to yourself when you are, you know, when you are suffering through anorexia? Do you, do you because I know about, you know, you're hiding the food and pretending you're eating food when mm -hmm. you're not, but do you realise what, what's happening? Really? No. Or was it a bit of a, just a it's world? It's crazy. You, you, like, you really don't know what you're doing to yourself at that time. I think at the beginning of my anorexia, I definitely had no idea what was going on. Um, and I think I denied that I was ill for a very long time, to be fair. It took me numerous counselling sessions to realise I was ill um, and to accept it. And once you accept it, I think you're on the road to recovery, to be fair. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're completely right. Like, I had no experience of eating disorders I had no experience of mental health I had never learned about it so I didn't even know what it was mm. um to explain it somebody sat on your shoulder telling you what to do and it, it's draining to be fair that must have been so hard for you yourself there Molly but also your your mum and your family mm -hmm. and people in and around you and it was your mum who took you to the doctors yeah mum took me to the doctors <laughs> basically dragged me um but because I yeah, I refused everything at that point. Um, she dragged me to the doctors um, where I got diagnosed with anorexia nervosa. Um, my mum, I don't think my mum was surprised at that point because she knows me better than anybody knows me and noticed something wasn't right in, in me at all. I was acting a certain way. I, I, you know, I was normally a happy, bubbly like, young girl, but I was, yeah, nasty. Um, said things that I'd regret for the rest of my life, to be honest. Um, and that illness took so much of me and took control of me so quickly that I felt like I wasn't in control of anything. Um, and I think that's part of mental health sometimes is when you are low, you want to control something in your life. So I had no control over being selected for England, but I had control of what I put in my body. Mm. So that's what I kind of chose to do. Um, and back then didn't really know how much of an impact it would have on, have on me even later on in life. But it definitely has. <laughs> it definitely has. Yeah. So it, tri it triggered that that slippery slope and and, and the way you be where you feel. But football also helped you the mm -hmm. the road, the recovery, yeah. and where you are today. Yeah, definitely. I think I remember a holiday. Uh, we went to America, and I I was eating not much when we went out there, and um, I seen a picture of the Arsenal team that I was supposed to play with, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're so much bigger than me. Um, I'm gonna really struggle against them or with them in training yeah. um and it freaked me out to be fair and it it was that was a slight turning point for me to make me realize I wasn't going to be able to live my dream if I continued doing what I was doing I wasn't even going to be able to live my life because quite frankly I could be not sat here mm. um and I don't think until I realized the extent of what I was doing to myself I was never going to recover. When I realised that, it was like, okay, baby steps, because that illness is not something you can do with a light, light switch. It's really not. It's it is it's step by step. It's day by day. And it took a while. Um, I was eating after, I would say properly, not enough to compete in my opinion, but I was eating enough at about 
after about eight months of the intense part of the illness, but I never fully recovered until I was about 19. Okay. Did your teammates know what you were going through? No. So um, you sort of kept it from them? Yeah. Uh, obviously my mum addressed that and spoke to the club and they were really supportive actually and said, you know, whenever she's back and fit and ready, she's she's welcome back. Um, my teammates actually just thought I'd lost a lot of weight over summer um, and just over-exercised. And I think that's what I mean by the naivety when yeah. you're so young, like 15, 16 year olds. Are they going to know when somebody's anorexic? Probably, Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. You know, and we're all different shapes and sizes and some people are going to be naturally stronger and bigger than others. And that's, you know, just the way we are and yeah. built. Um, but no, teammates didn't definitely didn't know at the time obviously once they were told they probably did their own research on their phone you know and realized what it was is there anything you could and i know it's difficult but is there anything you could maybe say to young girls who are gonna listen to this are there signs they can pick up what should they do if they're it, because if you're that if you're that young girl you're gonna f- you you fight it don't you you, you yeah. deny it you yeah, fight 100%. it, but what would you say to those young girls who might be there? Might be signs there. Mm-hmm. How how could you help them? Do you think? I think, you know, I'll tell you a story. Like my my mum knew something wasn't up, but she would have never fully known the extent of it if it wasn't for my best friend at the time watching me throw my lunch away at school, and telling my mum. Uh, well, she told my head of year at the time that told my mum, and it was a domino effect of who got told. But I got caught. And if I, if I probably didn't get caught at that time, it would have probably been a month delay of anybody noticing the extent of what I was doing. Um, and I think, you know, as a friend, that was probably the best thing she could have possibly yeah. done for me. Um, little did she know at the time, probably, she, was, she probably thought she was telling on me, you know, mm. but actually she probably saved my life at that point. Because when you get so deep, it's even harder to get back out of. But I think my advice, you know, to anyone that is struggling with a mental illness, but in particular, you know, anorexia and an eating disorder, is that it's not going to be an overnight kind of thing. It is you have to understand that you're ill. You have to accept you're ill and then you have to want to fight. And I was lucky that I had a goal and my goal was to be a professional footballer. Mm. Um, So I would recommend having something that you want to work towards because it makes you even want to fight harder and like and just quicker to be fair and that's definitely what happened for me i think you know seeing that there were players playing internationally players playing at a really high level for club it was like i want to do that i want to do that but little did i know i wasn't going to be able to do that if i didn't sort myself out um but i would recommend telling people <laughs> um if you're struggling i think that's the biggest thing is owning it and speaking out because a lot of people want to shy away from mental health and mm-hmm. i get it i was the, i was one of them I, do, I didn't want to tell anybody i didn't think anybody cared to be honest um but speaking up is the most important thing so you can get the right professional help uh, a source has told me you've started up a, a baking business <laughs> with one of your uh, teammates. Yeah. Tell everyone about that, please. Yeah, well, you know what? It's just funny because it actually stems from my anorexia. Okay. Um, so when I was when I was like late teens, um, I found a love for baking. My granddad used to always bake. How have we not got any cakes? Oh, don't no. worry, I'll source you. Oh, I love it. Worry, I love it, worry. Worry. I'll um, wait for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so my granddad used to bake. My mum, like, my whole family liked cooking. So I, I used to just get into baking and... I never ate them because I was ill, you know? I never was like, I was like, I can't eat that. Just seeing how much butter or whatever I've put mm. in it. I, I couldn't do it myself. So I used to bake for everyone else. Um, and they used to tell me they were so good. And I was like, 
yeah, I don't know because I've not tried them. Um, I continuously did that. My best friends at the time would vouch for it as well. I, I probably baked every week for them. They loved it, obviously. Right. They were buzzing, weren't they? <laughs> Going back with a different cupcake every week. But um, yeah, and then I realised that, you know, I, once I could eat them and I was not, you know, guilty for eating them, I actually really enjoyed baking. Now, Rhea was also the same, well, as in she enjoyed baking. Um, so yeah, I think like one time last year we were just like, should we do some baking? Because she was talking about carrot cake. And I was like, yeah, let's do some, let's do some baking. We did some baking and all of a sudden I've got an Instagram account for my baking business. No way. Yeah. Uh, um, great British Bake Off. Oh, <laughs> are you listening? <laughs> it's made in the making. It's made in the making. Love it, Molly. Love it. So we go back to the, the, your early 20s. We've talked about your mental side and yeah. uh, the depression. And how did you how did you come out the other side? You, you, I, I think it's great that you're opened up, Molly. I really, really do. It's great for everyone to, to be at home and maybe going through the same. Uh, and then your early 20s, you, you had depression. Yeah, I did. Um, again, stem from a lot of different things at that time. Um, football was affecting me more than I expected. Um, I was actually at Reading at the time and... I just wasn't feeling the love for the game, to be honest. Um, and then, you know, things went on home life that I struggled with a little bit, didn't know how to deal with. And look, like, I'll sit here and tell you like I'm a very sensitive soul. Um, things can really, really hit me. And at that point, I was feeling low. Didn't know how low I was going to get, actually. Um, but I got, you know, different type of mental illness to anorexia. But that the, the depression was, for me, the scariest. Um, because I was ready to give up my life. Um, at that point, I got so low that, you know, I was on antidepressants. Um, I had to quit football. At that time, I had to stop. I was sat in my room. I watched every single episode of Grey's Anatomy. Um, I literally, yeah, didn't do anything. My mum would, my dad would come back from work. Are you okay? Yep. No conversation. Don't want to talk. Um, had nothing in me. Nothing. How long did that go on for? Um, <sighs> I would say about three, four months intensely. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was, it was, yeah, it was horrible. Um, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone, actually. So what, what, what triggered you then to go, right, I'm going to try and get out of this, this yeah. state that I'm in and I'm going to be where we are today. Yeah. We always have to talk talk about that. How, how what, what made the switch change? Yeah, I think, you know, I was at Reading at the time and mm. I had a lot of close friends there. Um, I was supporting them from home, you know. I was I was watching every game on the FA player, and if it was on Sky, I was watching yeah. on Sky. You know, I, I did everything I could as a teammate to still support them. Um, but sometimes watching them, I didn't actually feel jealous. Okay. Yeah, I was a bit like, oh, you know, I didn't really have anything in me to love football. So you weren't thinking I want to be out there because no. whenever I was injured, I, that was the only time I ever really got down. I was, I'd be watching the team thinking, yeah. I want that to be to, that to be me, and yeah. you didn't have that feeling. No, I didn't. Um, I definitely have a love hate relationship with football. Definitely <laughs> tell you that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't actually at that time. Okay. I was a bit like, oh, maybe this is me now. Um, but there was there was still that part of me that felt I didn't achieve what I would like to have achieved. Um, my professional career was only at one club. It was only at Reading, you know, and I don't think I could have judged um, my professional career on playing at one team. And I wanted to experience different teams or team um, at that time. And I, I wanted to give it a go again. And you know, I spoke to my mum about it and she was like, I think you need to just try one more time. If football's not for you, then it's okay. You know, there'll be something else, but why don't you give it one more go and see if you can 
battle this and get out of it. Obviously, I, you know, I had a counselor at the time and she was actually amazing. And I really believe that she was the one that got, got me out of my deep stage of depression. Um, but yeah, I remember going to get, I actually asked um, to go to a game, um, got refused originally, but after I managed to get there um, to the game, I didn't really feel like I wanted to play in that game. I was just happy to support. Um, which is strange yeah. yeah but there was a massive turnaround for me and it was just knowing that I could I could be better and I wanted to be better I didn't want to live the life where I was just sat in bed every day mm. I didn't want to live the life where you know I just watched tv and that was all I kind of had um, I knew that football was the reason why I got into anorexia and came out of anorexia so I knew football was potentially the reason why I went into depression, but it was going to get me out of depression. And that was my mindset towards it. It was like, I'll get out of this. I just need to know how to. Um, and it, again, it wasn't, you know, an overnight thing, but at the same time with that, with the depression, it was because it's so deep, you, you really feel alone. Um, with the anorexia, I felt like I did have everyone around me, but with depression, you actually just don't want anybody with you. You just actually just want to be alone. That's the point. Um, and that was quite weird for my whole family because I'm a very talkative, bubbly human being. <laughs> um, so for them, they were like, what is, where's Molly gone? Yeah. Like Molly's disappeared. Um, but yeah, there was a massive part of me that wanted to continue playing um, and to have the mindset to battle it back, um, which, yeah, honestly, I can sit here and say, I don't know how I did it. Okay. So your family have been a, a big inspiration. Huge. They've helped you. Your brother. Yeah. Great relationship. Yeah, massive. Tell us a little yeah, bit about yeah. that. He's, he's my best friend. Okay. Yeah, we have a really special bond, actually. And, you know, growing up, he was he was the younger one, even with my anorexia. I don't think he fully know, uh, knew what was going on, actually. Um, but now we can talk about, um, we can kind of laugh about periods of it. I used, to, I used to force feed my brother. You know, I used to do some things that I never thought I would ever do. And he now complains to me now, that's why he has to go to the gym, you know? And it's that kind of banter we have. And How old is he? He's 22. 22. He, Four years younger than you yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, he's 22. But he's great. Um, he has absolutely no love for football. Cool. Not really any love for sport, to be honest. Yeah. But he's he's great. And we bond over fashion. We bond over, you know, social media. I mean, we just have a really special bond in that way. And yeah, Brilliant. I'm very lucky to have him as my brother, for sure. Brilliant. Brilliant. I bet he's super proud of you now. I'd like to think so, but you know what? He'd never say that. He just hammers you. There's a football element of it. He, he's not that fast. Like one time he was yeah, at the okay. airport, I think, and he's seen, like, I think we were on Sky, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's my sister. And everyone's like, oh, my God, yeah. wow. And he was like, yeah, because he doesn't care. Yeah. Like, I'm just Molly to him, yeah. and I always have been. No, no, it should be. Exactly. Yeah. So in 2021, July, you signed for Spurs. I did. Yeah. The start. How did, how did that feel? Oh, to come to a football club like this. You le yeah. left Reading, been there for a long time yeah. and, you, and you, you move on uh, and you get to come, to come to Spurs. Yeah. I mean, I remember having the conversation with Rianne at the time and it was like, yep, yeah, I want to be at Tottenham. It wasn't even a second thought. It was like, you know, obviously I've done a full, full circle in that way as well. And I just believed in the process, the ambition of the club. And I was like, why not? You know, it's it's a huge club. I've you know, I'm a big fan of men's football and I've watched, you know, the development of the men's game as well as the women's and I think Tottenham as a club is just historic, isn't it? Um and I wanted to be part of it. Uh, so when I got the opportunity it was like, Yep, yes please. Um and I've just yeah, I've I'd say I've embraced it. Amazing. Yeah. 
And your WSL debut was against Reading, is correct, correct or Arsenal? Arsenal, Arsenal. Thing, yeah, at Reading. So another one of your Arsenal, old yeah. clubs. How did that feel? Yeah, that's strange, to be yeah. fair. I, I get very nervous for the Arsenal games. Well, um, it just brings that little bit more... Yeah, it means more. Because it, yeah, you were there. Yeah, yeah, it does. It really means more. And I always get nervous. I think that's the one game I get nervous for. Is Do you not get Arsenal? nervous any other game? No, not really. Do you not? Yeah, no. See, I used to get nervous in every game. Yeah, Every no. game. I get no, nervous no. watching every game. <laughs> no, no wonder when I was playing. I, was, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, bizarre. No, you not, don't get not, nervous. I did when I was younger. Yeah. But I think I put so much pressure on myself that I've had to learn to just go, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. If I give yeah. 110%, I can come off the pitch and be happy with myself. But I am also that person that at night I will go over every scenario in my head, overthink the entire world. Yeah. Um, so I have that part of me that's intense, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't really get nervous. That's interesting, that. Moni, I mean, obviously you've, you've come, you've actually been attached to professional clubs for, for most of your career, haven't you? Yeah. So obviously you've seen the development of the, uh, of the WSL as well. Um, when, when when you started playing consi consistently in that, what have you made of the progress of the WSL and mm -hmm. obviously what England have done, yeah. Lionesses have done, uh, and where it is at the moment? I think it's fascinating for someone who has been in it for yeah. a long time, really, yeah. to see wh what you think where it is today. Yeah, I think, you know, what the Lionesses did in the summer, you know, full credit to them. You know, it's, it's probably changed the women's game in England um, a lot more kids wanting to play I think I get so many DMs now that you know you've inspired my child to play and that's a dream that's, our, that's part of our job we all know that um, and we embrace that for sure but I think the big thing is is getting the people in the stadiums we're starting to see a lot more people attend the games um, which is what we want to see you know we have also grown up watching men's football a lot of us but women's football I say it's a little different because I think you know, the passion is so obvious within females sometimes, I think, um, because naturally, you know, we are sensitive people. Women are very different to men sometimes. And I think we, I watch women's football and, you know, you compare it to men's and I just get an, a more, more of a buzz for women's football sometimes because of the journey I know it's been on. I think until you know the journey of the women's game, you don't maybe appreciate it as much as, you know, others do. And I think where the women's game is going is only up. I think, you know, the Lionesses hopefully will do well this summer coming too. Um, and I've hopefully, you know, onwards and upwards for them too. But at the same time, I think, you know, club football is where it's at. Um, the league this year has been the most competitive one, fact. Um, it's been tough. And there's been players from so many different countries come in to the league because they want to be in the best league in the world. Um, and that's credit to, you know, the players that have paved the way for that. You know, I, I've played with Farrah Williams, you know, and I I remember growing up and Farrah was my favourite player. And I remember sitting in the changing room at Reading next to her and I was so, I was so shaky and I didn't know how to speak to her. But now it's like those kids could potentially be looking at people like us, you know, not just Farrah, not just, you know, the Jill Scotts of the, of, you know, the game. Like now they can look at people like us who actually have come from also different backgrounds that people can, you know, understand because um, maybe they're in that same situation and I think the game's only going to progress it's only going to get better we just need the support we need you know the fans to be there and you know Tottenham fans you know, I see it week in week out don't I so you know they're there and they're supporting us and that's all we can ask for I wouldn't even say potentially they are looking at you now as, as role models yeah and I think it's strange to, to to feel like just because of like who you know I just see myself as Molly I don't see myself as anyone else um 
So it's it's strange when you say that, and you know sometimes when I get DMs like that, I, I do pinch myself and be like, oh, that's that's mad. Like, but I would do anything to you know progress the game and to make those girls want to play football. And it's so nice to hear when you hear that you know they've joined the school team or they've joined. And the that's down team. that's down to all you girls. It is, and, and I put it down to the Lionesses in last summer. It was 100%. incredible. You look how many yeah. people fans went to Wembley yeah, and kids and and girls girls should have the opportunity. And, and I believe they're getting it. An awful lot is down to won the WSL, but what the Lionesses did last year. Yeah, definitely. I think you know I watched the Euros and mm. it was incredible. And I Amazing. I know it's girls in the team, so it was it was weird to see your friends doing it too, you know, and getting you know gold medals and yeah. it's it's where they want to be at. And yeah, full respect to them for doing what they did. You mentioned about um, playing in front of crowds, and of course you played at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Have, now, yes. t- t- talk about that as an experience. Oh, I mean, first of all, the stadium is probably the best one I've ever seen, ever. Um, and to walk out, I think I've walked out three times. Um, it's been an absolute honour. Um, it's a carpet, first of all. But second of all, it's just an amazing atmosphere that can be created here. Um, I, I remember the Man United game and it was when Beth scored that goal, I had never experienced anything like that before. The roar of the crowd was like, whoa, this is what it should feel like, you know? And it was amazing. And, you know, that comes from the fans, but... Hopefully we can, if we're performing, we create that too. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been an absolute honour to, to play at this stadium and yeah. And you've wore the band a few times, Molly. How does that feel? I mean, I was very fortunate as well to, to work for this amazing club and it's special, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I don't think too intensely into it, to be honest. But um, yeah, of course, like it's a massive respect to yourself when you put that armband on, but at the end of the day, there's 11 people on the pitch. There's a squad of, what, 20, 25 people and you're just the one that got chose to put an armband on you. You know, um, you play the game the same way as everyone else does. Maybe you talk a bit more. Um, <laughs> but other than that, you know, there's no, you know, I don't think too much into that. I just, mm. just want to play well for the team. And that's all I think about every game. There will be a reason why they put that armband on your arm. <laughs> Maybe because I've got a big <laughs> mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, spe- special days at, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium um, and special days in the WSL for this Spurs team. Mm-hmm. Last couple of years, I mean, the progress has just continued. It's been a difficult season this season. It has, yeah. What, what have been your highlights, you know, so far as a Spurs player? Because there have been loads of huge games, yeah. including all those games against uh, Arsenal who are now your North London derby oh, rivals. I know, I know, right. Yeah, I mean, I think the best game I played in was Man City away last year. We won 2-1. And I played at that stadium many times when I was at Reading too. Um, and it's so hard to beat Man City at home. They're so good at home. So good. Um, but there was just this feeling within the group that day. Um, and I just remember being in the change room after and we were singing and dancing. And it was like the best feeling. They're the, they're the feelings you live for, aren't, right? aren't they? Like yeah. as a footballer, they're the moments you, you remember, uh, the memories you never forget. And um, yeah, I just remember that game. I think it was raining. I, but we just kept grafting. We kept running. We kept running. I remember um, watching it. You just you hung in there. Yeah, we did. But, but it was Rachel equalised, wasn't it? Was it Rachel equalised? Yeah, Rachel Williams e- uh, equalised. That's and it. Then... And as soon as you equalised, everyone's thinking, hang on a minute. I know. And that's yeah. how it turned out. Exactly. And that is exactly how it turned out. And yeah, I mean, Man City are a very, very, very good team. And it was floods of you know, attacks for them at, at points of that game. But somehow, you know, we rode those and we rode the, the storm and we managed to get... A win and get on the coach and just 
you know, just be buzzing. That obviously gave the, the team a lot of belief, though, because you continue picking up points yeah. in, against, against these, you know, the well-established teams yeah. you, for the rest of the season. I think sometimes when you do beat, you know, a team that maybe the odd, you're the underdogs going into, it does give you that belief within the group sometimes. And it's like, oh, I didn't know we had that in us. But we can now go on to the next game and believe again, you know, and then you play the Chelsea's, the Arsenal's and... I think what we've wanted to do is to bridge the gap. You know, obviously this season hasn't been as successful as we would have wanted it to be. But I do feel like the big part of this league is bridging the gap between the top teams. Um, and I think the WSL is doing that at the moment. You know, there's teams that you're starting to look at and go, oh, they could be competing now. You know, they can compete for Champions League and that's what you want. Mm. So Molly, Spurs women, your well-being leader. Could you tell us a little bit and people at home who don't know about this, could you just give us an in-depth... In yeah, I think more than anything, it's just looking out for people. Um, I'm very good at observing, you know, when people maybe are struggling. Um, and I think I'd say I'm quite good at touching, you know, like touching out to people, making sure I keep in contact. Maybe sometimes just going, you know, dropping someone a message or maybe just some, like even something small at training, just like, you're all right. Or like, you know, you did well today or something really small because... I think with football, there's many highs and lows and it's a bit of a roller coaster journey, isn't it? And I think when you're within a team environment, you know, maybe you're not playing or maybe you've been injured, it can become very repetitive sometimes. And sometimes you really need to snap out of it. Um, so it might just take someone to, you know, say, how are you? Mm. To, to maybe open the floodgates in opening up, but also to maybe reassure you too. Um, and yeah, within the group, we have got like a very good group of kind of speaking up sometimes, but, um, yeah, I just pride myself on making sure people are okay. Um, so that's what I kind of looked at. You, you did a piece, uh, Molly in the, in the Players' Tribune. It was mm -hmm. an incredible piece. Um, how has that gone down? Yeah, it went down really, really well. Uh, that was really big for me actually, because I went into a lot of detail, mm. um, which I didn't actually expect to do at the time, but. I'm really glad I did because I think a lot of people can almost feel like they're in, you know feeling common with me a little bit and be like, oh, I actually understand that I've been through that and relate to. Um, but it was a big piece for me to do. Yeah, I I didn't actually know how big it was going to be at the time, but I got a lot of positive feedback, a lot of really nice comments. I've had many um, direct messages uh, from young girls, parents, friends saying, you know, they've got a daughter, son, friend. Uh, whatever that is struggling how can you help um, and I do try and re uh, respond to as many as I can um, because you know if I can help one person yeah. that was my job if I can help one person then that's job done for me um, if I can help 10 even better so I try and do it as much as I can you know I've been in contact with parents before to try and help and also my mum's been in contact with parents before um, because I can't speak on a parent's mm -hmm. opinion but my mum can um, so she's also helped as much as she can. If, um, I've had a, you know, a message saying, can a parent have an opinion? And I've given that, um, but I've done everything I can. I believe I've done everything I can to, to put it out there and to show that, you know, mental health isn't a weakness, you know, and to get through it is a complete strength. But at the same time, you know, it's good to talk about it. It's good to be open and hopefully people can relate to my story and then they can recover quickly too. It's definitely worth a read. If you haven't read it, please do. I just think, Molly, it's just um, for someone like yourself in the spotlight, just to be so candid about mm. what's happened to you and, you know, to, to be willing to speak about it is a real strength in you, I think. 
I think I think you should be very proud of yourself actually for, for thank you for, for, for saying that it's not easy is it it's not no. easy but I think you put yourself in a vulnerable place to be fair but um at the same time I've always believed in helping people I think from a young age I always just wanted to help people that's something I want to do after football I'm going to you know, go into the mental health aspect of the game because I think it's a very big subject within the game. I think a lot of people talk about the physical element, um, but actually the psychological element can have such huge impact on performance, such huge impact on group dynamics. Um, so I really want to go into that after and I think hopefully with my experiences that I can help a lot. We talk about after, it's a long way, Molly. It's <laughs> a long way away. I'm, why do you say that, coaching? Yeah. Any uh, aspiration to be a coach? Um, I've I mean, done, you're I've only done young, coaching. Molly. You have. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I, I have done coaching. Um, when I was at Reading, I did a lot of the youth age groups. And now it's weird because I'm playing against some of them. Right. So it's like, yeah, I coached you. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're succeeding. That's what you want to see. And I think you get those little moments when you're a coach and when you see a kid surviving in like a big game in the women's game, you're like, whoa. Like, I didn't expect that at 12 years old for you to be playing at a professional level. And now look at you, you know, and I wouldn't, that's not all me. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to say it is. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's then, really nice. trying to get past you, aren't Yeah, they are. And I'm like, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really nice to see. And I'm proud of each and every single one of them that are succeeding and, and showing that they can play at the level because that's all they've ever wanted. And they're proving that now. Well, that's a dream, wasn't it? When you were, when you were coaching them, they see. I mean, yeah. I did something like that when I was doing my, my B licence here. I did it with John McDermott. Uh, and there was Harry Winks and uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, who's now is now at, is at Celtic. These players, you see them, how they grow, and you think, wow, I ended up playing against Cam a few times in the championship. And you think, yeah, that was a journey that yeah. I started on my coaching, and then you, you see them them grow. And Makes you feel come. a bit old sometimes, though, doesn't yeah, it? <laughs> I'm old, but not as old as some of the people in here. <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're the young one in here. Miles, yep. here, we're not too old. Uh, <laughs> uh, but honestly, honestly, Molly, like you talk about where, where the, the women's game is at the moment, and but also coming out of that, loads of opportunities, aren't you? I mean, yeah. we spoke to Jenna, who's in, incredible, but yeah. look at her in the media now, for I know, instance. Right? And having sat around a table with you now, media. Yeah. <laughs> More would be brilliant at it, wouldn't she? It's, it's, it's not the first time I've been told, to be fair. But yeah, I, I just embrace it, to be fair. But um, yeah, Jenna is probably, you know, a dream come true. You know, what she's doing is, is amazing. And I watch her on Sky sometimes. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know, I think it's wicked. I watch. I mean, I watch you, but I'm not making your head any bigger. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's a dream, isn't it? I'd, I'd love to do stuff like that. I love, you know, I don't shy away from the camera. I'm not that type of person. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I have a lot to, to kind of show the world, I think, with especially with mental health. But I have a lot of passion in football and a lot of passion in that subject too. And I don't want to stop at, you know, when I retire, I don't want to just stop there with it. You know, I want to be able to help the next generation of players, girls, boys, whoever that may be, to, to put them into better environments, to put them in the right headspace to be successful. Well, Molly. What can we say apart from a massive, massive thank you? And I'm sure everyone at home watching this has got an insight and will appreciate what you've told us today. But we're not letting you go <laughs> just yet, are we, mate? Not at all. What have we got? Oh, we've no. got five questions. Oh, no, seven questions we've got. Okay. Everyone who sits on our uh, podcast will be answering these. Okay. So you're under no pressure. You can't be right. You can't be wrong. But all we right. can't wait to uh, hear your answers. Okay, Mo. First one. What is the most random piece of Spurs memorabilia? You own. Like we'll tell you. Should we tell you what Jenna's was? Go on. Jenna's was unbelievable, wasn't it? We went. What? 
It was a court, well, court hanger, wasn't it? It was a coat it hanger. Court, out court hanger. Out of the stadium dressing oh, um, room. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Um, so I put you under pressure now. Yeah, yeah. Think, I mean, oh I don't know gosh. if it's as good as Jenna's. Um, I'd probably say, you know, when you get the little bags to put your boots in, you know, the plastic bags. Yeah. <laughs> I have one of them at home. They're great, though. <laughs> what, they're, the Tottenham bags? Yeah, yeah. They're great. Yeah. You know the little plastic bags? Yeah. I see Harry Kane going international duty with them. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? True, yeah, it's true. Yeah, Dukes they're great. Just make Dukes are the kit, man. Yeah. Just send some to Molly. Send round. Send them Thank round. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> Favourite Spurs ever kit? Ooh. I, I like the purple one. Is it last year's? It was last year's. The purple, all purple it was. They looked like paint and they had green. Uh, yeah. Was that there? But purple's my favourite. My boy has every one. I'm trying to think. It was last year's, right? Yeah. I liked it. I really I'll liked have a picture it. Somewhere on there. Okay. Do you not remember it? Purple with a little bit green. Was it the third kit? Yeah. Can, Matt, can you find us a picture, please? There, he's going to get it. We're going to find it. I, I loved Did it. Did you? Yeah. I like. It was very different. I'm it wasn't like this year's... boring. You no, know? It, it was crazy. Yeah. It was really. Is it the cool. pink one this but, year? But no, no, the, the the blue one this year is is, is yeah, the lovely. blue one. That Do you know is what? Lovely. Do you know what? That was class. I've got a shirt on that's got DJ Dawes on it. That one. That's the one. Do you know why? Yeah, my my mum bought. My son, that one. Yeah, I like that kit yeah, as well. Cool, yeah, DJ yeah. Dawson, yeah. the blue one's smart. Nice. Yeah, the we, blue one's lovely. I think when we've worn it, we're like, oh, yeah, this is nice. Yeah, we, <laughs> right, okay. go on, Miles. Okay, who is the, the favourite Spurs player you've you've played with or you've watched over the years? Male or female? Both. Ooh. Well, that's a great question. I have to say you, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no I, do you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to deny. It. I did. I did grow up watching you. Well, so well, this is a bit weird for me. You Cricket, know? sport, uh, football. <laughs> you said you were slow ass and that. Was captain, <laughs> captain. Yeah. Scored one or two. Made tackles. Right. Have you had any red cards? Uh, not when I was at Tottenham. Let's just say that. No, I beat you at that one. Who have I loved playing with? Um, I would. I would probably say this is a. This is maybe what people wouldn't expect, but. Um, I've watched Mana Iwabuchi play many, many times um, when she was at Arsenal growing up too. Like, I remember some of my friends are the same age as her and they used to play against her internationally and talk about how amazing she was. And when I seen that she was coming to Tottenham, I was a bit starstruck. Now, she, I don't tell her that because she's obviously so cute and innocent. <laughs> but I, I just, I think she's amazing. And I think what she can do with a ball is like, whoa. You know, and I think she's one, yeah. I think when Mana's on the game, I'm like, wow. Um, and yeah, obviously I was in, I was in, I was in awe of her the first couple of days because, like, I mean, not just in women's football in England, but in Japan, she's like a hero, mm. you know. Um, and I think, yeah, that's wicked. Yeah, I love playing with Very her. Very good. Your all-time Spurs five-a-side, women's and men's. <laughs> do I have to put? Yeah, you can in? put yourself in as well. No, yes, you can. You that. put yourself I'm in centre half. Yeah, you centre half. No, I can see no, you no, starting, no, no. starting from the back. Right oh, this is hard. This is really hard. Okay. I mean, can I start front to back? Because well, I, mean, I think Ledley did that, didn't he? Front he to did, back. Yeah, yeah did he, he did. start with Harry Kane? Because, I mean, that's surely an obvious one. I can't remember. I uh, mean, for me, yeah, Harry Kane starts, obviously. Yeah. Um, oh, this is really tough. Rhea Percival goes in my midfield. Oh, we're having mixed. Can like I do mixed? Do, it, uh, do whatever you want. Oh, okay. Molly, I didn't you, know. Molly, you can do. Molly, you yeah, can do whatever I'm, you I'm want. Gonna, I'm going to do that. I'm going to hey? do that. Right, okay. Oh, yeah. Rhea. Oh, this is tough. Who else do I put in my midfield? Now I've got Modric. Oh. So can I do that? Well, you're going to have no defenders there. Yeah, well, I'm not going to put. I'm not putting three. a goalie in. You're <laughs> 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 not playing rush. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm playing rush goalie. I like it. Go on then. 
Um, yeah. And yourself. Yeah, of course you can do whatever okay. you want in this five aside team, but you might get yeah. punished for playing against Rhea, a good team. I'm telling you. There you go. Anybody else, Modric or Rhea, that would right. be an incredible midfield. So they're your two? Yeah, they're my All two. Right, so you have got a centre half then? Yeah. And then I'm going to put. One, two, one, and a keeper. Yeah. Well, if I want to put a goal you keeper got, in, do you know what I mean? You're going to play two, two defenders. No, yeah, I'll, put, I'll put Becky Spencer in goal because of her technical ability, because five aside, you want to be a bit techie, yeah, and Becky is techie. Dribble um, out. And then I'm going to put no, you in, big man. No, you've got to put yourself in. No, right, why right. would I put myself oh, in? Oh, bless you, man. You've been too kind. You just said, just, you You're know, tackles, oh, blocks, there we go. Kind. Yeah, but shooting. Simple as that. Yeah, shooting. That's fine. Okay. You just have to block we'll everything. Just right. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Well, I won't want to play against you. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just give the ball to Modric Aria and then yeah, pass it to Harry yeah, and we're sorted, up. aren't we? Okay. What would be the one piece of advice you'd give to, I'm actually going to say, young girls who want to get into, get into football? I think nowadays, I think the best thing to do is to go to a girls' team. Um, try and get into a local girls team. There is so many more now than there was. So try and get involved as quickly as, as possible. Um, but also, like, if we're not talking just on pitch, like, I think just embrace what you're doing. Just enjoy what you're doing. Play with a smile. I think that's my my biggest, you know, sometimes I look back and did I always enjoy what I was doing? No. But I think as long as you do look back at your career or look forward into your career and go, I'm doing what I want to do for myself. I'm enjoying it this is what I want to do. I think then you've got nothing to regret. Um, and I think for that reason, yeah, I'd say play with a smile and enjoy what you do. Love it. Brilliant. Who is your Spurs woman unsung hero? Rhea Percival. Simple. She's been through it, hasn't she, by the way? I don't even need to talk. I, I literally rate her so much. Um, and I think probably everyone in the team does. Yeah, she's the unsung hero for me, 100%. I think you know when Rhea's on the pitch and you know when she's not on the pitch. Um, and that's probably the biggest compliment, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's been she's been you know it's been tough not having her around but she's back you know she's back training and it's a breath of fresh air to have her back within the group so yeah buzz him last one in your opinion as a fan who's the greatest ever Spurs player this is tough very tough greatest ever ever you know what because you know I'm only 26 so I haven't really seen that many and because I see what he does internationally and then I see what he does week in, week out, week in, week out, pretty much, yeah, all the time, I have to give it to Harry Kane. Yeah. I just don't think, like, he realises what he actually does. He's just got something. I watch him for England, I'm just like, you know, as a defender, I would absolutely hate to play against him because he, he'll get you, he'll get a foul, he'll spin you. He, he's just class. Um, and, yeah, I think... England, Tottenham, he's just the best. I would agree. And I've played against him, Molly, and he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't go great, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll end on that. We won't go into that. What we will say, though, is, Molly, thank you so, so much for everything you've spoke about. I'm sure everyone at home is going to agree with me. Miles, anything you'd like to add? 100%, Mo. It's great to see you. I've actually got one question for you, actually, yeah. before we let you go. Tell us about Molly Bartrip today. How are you today? Yeah. Today, right this second, I'm good. I'm in a good head headspace. Um, I'm looking forward to the game at the weekend. Um, and I'm I'm just, you know, I'm that person now that I put one foot in front of the other. I don't want to think too far ahead. Um, I have to mentally think that way now. I still struggle. I'm not going to sit here and deny that. But I'm in a good place and I've got the right support around me. And yeah, I'm at Tottenham and that's all that matters. Molly, thank you and good luck. Thank you very much.
If you're affected by disordered eating, contact www.nhs.uk forward slash mental hyphen health or visit beateatingdisorders.org.uk. If you're affected by depression and or thoughts of self-harming or suicide, please reach out to papyrus, P-A-P-Y-R-U-S hyphen uk.org samaritans.org or for more support visit www.nhs.uk forward slash mental hyphen health sports social podcast network it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.